Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to another episode of this podcast. I really appreciate you guys being here. You're you legends. You're legends for being here. And if you want to, uh, if you're just here for the guest, you're going to have to suffer through this intro. But let, let me give you a bit of a, um, how I've been feeling lately, right? A little bit of emotion. I've been feeling like I've loved every one of my guests so far. I haven't had anyone that's hard to talk to. I haven't had anyone that's boring. In my opinion, everyone's had something interesting to say. Not everyone's delivery is amazing and flawless, and everyone's got a different style of talking and having conversations. And my guest today, James Hepburn, is just someone that straight away, so a bit of pre-context, I haven't met him before. Um, The conversation you're about to hear is the first time that we have ever spoken, and Straight away, I felt like I was one of his friends. He's a very welcoming person, and his way of looking at the world is also very, very interesting, and I can relate to on a very deep level. This episode today is going to be a particularly strong episode if you're at the start or in the middle of any journey of that you're on. And if you think about it, everyone's in the middle of something. So, I'm... At the end, I'll recap it with the one thing that I took out of it that was really quite powerful. But enjoy this episode and take notes. And again, as I say this with all of my guests, don't necessarily listen to what they're saying, but listen to why and where it comes from, because that's what the true gold is. And talking to James, it barely felt like I was interviewing him. It felt like a conversation. Now, we had our fair share of technical issues, and you'll hear that. But luckily, it all worked out. And... The same issue never happens twice. Eventually, I swear, guys, there'll be a podcast where I've made all the mistakes and none of the mistakes are left to be made. Without further ado, let's get into it. Enjoy. What's your life story from when you were born to now in 60 seconds? Cool, man. So, obviously, I'm James. I'm a copywriter and marketer from Melbourne. I grew up in Canberra, um, studied engineering at university, got an internship, fucking hated big corporate world so I ended up uh, dropping out after three years of studying finance and engineering my brother and I bought an existing business in the e-commerce space I moved to Sydney so I lived in Melbourne for a year when I had that internship moved to Sydney and ran this business into the ground essentially it was a horrible experience lost about 200 grand probably more than that but started another business simultaneously importing dance floor from china and when i started that i got into marketing running facebook ads writing copy uh, and over the course of sort of launching my own business which saved the business that was failing i learned a shitload about marketing and used that to start consulting to clients running ads writing copy and traveling the world uh, and in the last three years, I've been to 10 or 12 countries. I've lived in Vancouver, Canada, Colombia. I went to Switzerland, Thailand, New York. I've been to the US 10 different times, Mexico three times. Pretty much living the life, man. So that's my story. Shit. Pretty pretty good breakdown there. Um, I actually saw like a little snippet of you speaking. I think it was in um, the US somewhere. And you're like, no, unrelated, but like... I, I came here because the girls think that Aussie accents are attractive. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, man, yeah. That, I, that was gold. Dude, I spoke at this conference last year in Dallas in uh, June, and I, um, um, I, I like I because I like speaking. I speak at a lot of events, and I always orchestrate funny shit like that. Or, or I just I'm a copywriter. When we make like a copywriter is someone that gets paid to masturbate emotions. That's what I say to people. And so, 
when I speak, I'm like, I just know how to get reactions out of people. So I got up and I was like, oh, yeah, there's three things I love about Texas. I mean, the weather here is always amazing. The food's fantastic. And the American women just go crazy for my accent. And like, it was like this joke that I'd like premeditated. I'm like, oh, this will get a few laughs because I was dressed in like all white with like this pink jacket and glasses, pretty outrageous. And uh, dude, like I said it. And the crowd was pretty conservative. Like I'd cracked a few other jokes and I got a couple of token laughs. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going all out here. We'll see how we go. But like I just cracked this joke and they went fucking psycho. And like they just loved it, man. And like, yeah, it was crazy, dude. Like like it got such a crazy reaction. But every time I think about it now, I'm just like, fuck. It was like one of those things where like you make a joke and you get a laugh. And like I, I always joke about being Australia's best looking marketer. And I put that in all my talks and that always gets a reaction out of people. Um, but it's kind of like a, you'll get a laugh. It's like, oh, that's a funny comment. But this was like a fucking roaring laugh to the point where I was like, holy shit, this is actually kind of awkward. Like I'm probably going to get attacked when I get off stage. But, um, no, nah, man, that was, that was pretty fun, Matt. Yeah. That, that's actually, um, interesting that you say that like getting reactions out of people and using a bit of a puffery to build it up. Um, it's a pretty good strategy. What, where did you pick that up? Like, Obviously, studying engineering, pretty technical mind, or have you always been a bit more of a creative-minded person? Yeah, it's interesting, man. So, now nah, at school, I was this maths nerd. I was a really academic kid, <clears throat> maths, physics, always really intellectual. I hated writing. And to be honest, I don't actually love it now. It just happens to be something I'm good at. I often find it difficult to sit down and get in the zone, but when I'm in the zone, I can produce good work. Um, I think uh, – it's something I learned, which is funny because at the start of this, I said you can't learn it. I think it was something I learned in terms of I loved marketing and I loved the process of like a funnel because it's very similar to engineering. And so I, I was always fascinated about the numbers around that. But then in terms of knowing how to get a reaction out of people, when I look back at my whole life, I've, I'm the middle child, the older brother, younger sister. And my older brother was like the golden child. He was just like, not in terms of how my parents treated him, but he was just very methodical predictable didn't party didn't drink didn't do drugs didn't he just was fucking working all the time saving money buying property really smart dude financially um yeah and so the only way to get attention from my parents was to be the total opposite of that which was not that i was a big party or i don't never really got into drugs or anything like that but um the only way to be different and to get love from my parents was just to be funny and just to joke and like jab and tease my brother and tease my sister. And I don't know, just my whole life, I've just been a good provoker. I love having arguments with people. I love having controversial opinions. I love, like I have a Make America Great Again hoodie, like the Trump hoodie. I wear it around Melbourne and people get real fucking angry about it and shit. Like, you know, I just like doing shit that provokes people because I just think it's funny. And so it wasn't until I started marketing and kind of speaking that I looked back and I'm like, fuck, I've been doing this shit my whole life. Just it's taken different forms. So that's kind of the short answer, I think. Yeah. Did you realize that you were doing it or was it just something that oh, I was probably always aware of it. doing it? Then, like yeah. if someone pointed it out, I wasn't oblivious to the fact that it was happening, but I wasn't probably as conscious of it as I am now. Let's be real. Stirring the pot in any conversation is a whole bunch of fun. Just poking and seeing people get really worked up about something. Totally, dude. I, I personally find it fun. Oh, it is and, fun. Um, Absolutely. There's a there was a funny post that I saw ages and ages ago that was like, um, arguing with an engineer is like wrestling with a pig in the mud. Yeah. After three hours, you realize that they're enjoying it. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. The exact same. Having studied engineering, I just love arguing with people, not for the sake of arguing, but just 
getting other yeah, people's opinions. I think so when I was different. younger, I was a lot more stubborn. And I think now I'm at a point where, like, I met this chick on Tinder that I went out with last week, and she's a doctor. And, um, like, we've just, we talk about intellectual shit, which I dig, like climate change and uh, global warming and flat earthers. And I'll, I'll, I'll go to war with anyone on any topic, even shit I don't really know about. But I think I'm at a point now where, like, I don't have to be right, you know, like I just be like, oh, this is funny. Like I'm like I'm interested in people's opinions and, and I'm happy to be proven wrong in general conversation, but I've definitely always enjoyed discussing like hectic things at length, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a fair bit of sense. What, what do you think about, about the whole flat earther? Oh, I'm, that's some straight up bullshit. Like, I, you know what? I actually wish I was into it because, like, it'd be. It's, I feel like it's a funny thing to like people to get behind. It's the perfect example of like something that's just flat out wrong that like you can just side with to like trigger people and get reactions. It's a, it's ex exactly the kind of thing that I would like to get behind, but it's fucking idiotic. Like, I studied science for ages. I re, I, re, I could never come out of me like I believe the Earth's flat because all of my mates, not that not that my friends would stop me. But all, I suppose all of my friends that studied with me would be like, we know you don't believe that. So as much as like I like having, Bullshit. yeah, yeah, like as much as I like having controversial opinions, they're always things that I absolutely believe. You know, like I like Trump. I don't necessarily care about his politics, but I like what he stands for. He's not politically correct. He stands up for what he believes in. He speaks his mind. He doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks about. Now, there's a lot of things he's done I don't agree with or I don't think are in good taste or I don't like. But I still like, I still respect, I don't know if like's the right word, I still respect what he's about, you know what I mean? And agree with what he's yeah. about and I'll wear his hoodie around because it pisses people off and I find that funny. But like if he just was a flat earther, I would not agree with him. I'd be like, that's fucking idiotic. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Uh, it makes perfect sense. And I feel like people have this big... Um like theory that just because you disagree with what someone stands for and what they believe, it might not mean that you can't respect them or like them as a person. Like I've got lots of friends that I completely disagree with them on some things, but I really like them as a person and can get along with them. Doesn't like one doesn't have to go into the other. So that sounds exactly what you're saying. Just because he's done some stupid shit doesn't mean yeah. you can't respect the guy. Like he's he's done some cool stuff at the same time. Like not not everyone can build go broke, go be a billion dollars in debt or something like that, then come back from it and go yeah. back again. It's impressive. Yeah, 100%. I opinion. think, you know, people see the shit they want to see. I try to be a little bit more objective with it. Was there anything that opened your mind up to being a little bit more objective and seeing things as they are than trying to see why they are what they are? Did that make much sense? Or was it yeah, a bit I get what, loosely worded? It, it was a bit, it's a bit, it's a big question. I'll, I'll, I'll have a go at answering yeah. it. I don't know if it's exactly what you're asking, but I think for me, like I was saying this to my mum when I saw her last week, I live my life by two rules. Number one, fuck, what's number one? Oh, <laughs> number one, you are 100% <laughs> responsible for every single thing that happens to you, right? And I know that's like some basic personal development, but I, I, I take that to a very high extreme. Like I believe that. Governments do jack shit that, um, you know, even the food we're taught to eat down to if I'm driving my car, if I'm sitting in a parked set of lights and a drunk driver drives through the intersection and kills me, it's still my fault for being there. 
I believe that if you get cheated on in a relationship, it's your own fault for getting cheated on. And I just fundamentally live my life by this rule that everything's your responsibility and everything's your fault. And, and this is an interesting debate. I actually got into an argument about cheating on your partner with this chick I went out with. She was like, I don't agree. How is it your fault? And I'm like, I'm like, firstly, I believe it's your fault if you get cheated on because the warning signs were there and you can be oblivious to it or you can be blind to it or whatever you want to be. But you either weren't giving your partner enough attention, you weren't meeting their needs, you weren't doing everything you could have done to make the relationship foster. And on some level, you would feel that disconnection. And I don't really care. Now, one thing that gets like misconstrued in this is that I'm not saying they're off the hook. What I'm saying is it's your fault because you could have done something differently to change it, right? Just like if you're sitting in a set of lights and a drunk driver hits you, it's their fault for being drunk and all that shit. But like you're responsible for being in the car. And the reason I choose to live my life by that principle is because if I, I just feel like you don't have a choice because if you choose to believe that there's things that happen that are outside of your control, whether that's true or not, you lose power. I choose to believe that every single thing is my responsibility, my fault, and fully within my control because as long as I believe that, I can influence that and I can affect the outcome. Does that make sense? So many people want to live their life believing that other things are responsible. And look, does does the government affect me? The the answer is yes, of course. Like they're going to spend money on shit. They're going to tax me at a certain rate. They might get rid of negative gearing. They might increase GST. Do all of those things affect me? Absolutely. But what I'm saying is that you should almost blindly – You there? Yo. I'm still here. Oh, I've lost you. You there? Cut out. Yeah, I think you cut out, but it looks like it locally records. Ah, gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I was just saying that, um, yes, obviously there's a bunch of things you can't control, a bunch of external factors in your environment, but my belief is that you may as well be responsible for them because otherwise you can't affect them and you lose power. And to to delegate the, the blame or responsibility of any part of your life is just merely going to create pain for you, right? That's my first rule. And my second rule is to speak the harsh truth and fuck political correctness. Like I just hate, hate this politically correct culture and world we live in. I think it's just fucking rife with danger and that everyone should speak the honest truth um, because lying doesn't get anyone anywhere. No, and I complete, completely agree with both of those. And the first one's actually something I spoke about in my last podcast and to a few of my friends because ever since I read Jocko Willink's Extreme Ownership, um, it just opened up my eyes. I'm like, holy shit, I can make everything my fault and I am so much more okay with that because if it's my fault, I can find a solution. Like you were saying, like if um, I'm in an intersection and a car hits me, if it's their fault, there's no solution. If yeah. it's my fault... There's things I could have done not to be in that situation at that point in time. Yeah. Suddenly, I can be a million times happier because I can fix whatever the problem is and completely agree with it. And with being PC, fuck that. Like, yeah, I think life's too yeah. short to pussyfoot around and save people's feelings. Yeah, and I don't for want sure. that. And like, the worst thing for me is when someone you can tell that someone's trying not to hurt your feelings. Like, they're trying to give you feedback. Yeah, being nice, like it's like my feelings aren't going to get hurt. I'm a big boy. Just speak the harsh, harsh truth. Tell me what you think. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, I just think like I think where people don't like hearing this message or where they don't receive it or whatever is that 
I'm not saying that the other person or the other party or the government or whatever is not responsible or that things happen that aren't your fault. I'm almost saying like forget about the other side, like pretend they don't even exist because yeah, – What can you do better kind of thing? Because if I get hit and I become like paraplegic and touch what it doesn't happen from like a motor accident, I can live the rest of whatever quality of life I have blaming that person and this is all fucked up. And don't get me wrong, I would no doubt even myself go through phases where I'm like, this is fucked up. This, why did this happen to me? Well, that's natural. We're all going to go through that. But as long as I live like that, like I can never feel good about the current state I'm in. So, yeah, that's – anyway, I feel like I went on a massive tangent there, but that's just kind of how I feel about that topic, man. Like, I don't know if that answers your original no. question. but um, Not 100% sure, but that was great anyway. Like, it was, it was very good. Um, quick side off topic. This is, um, did you meet Rohan in Vancouver? Um, we met was it in while you were living there? No, no. Was ah. when, I was, when I was running this business that was failing before I moved back to Melbourne. But we met online through um, one of his friends who was one of my mentors. And then he came out to speak at my mentor's event in Sydney and he stayed at my place and we've been really good friends ever since then. Oh, very cool. Uh, how have you found that events and um, personal development things have helped you in your life? Like aside from massively, um, yeah, I think with events. Yeah, I think with events. Um, for me, it's, it's everything. Like, there's a big marketing conference every year in San Diego, the Traffic and Conversion Summit. I literally go there, get blackout drunk for three days, and just network with people, meet people. I've, I've like created a lot of friendships just from going to those events, and you know, then people they get work, and then they you know they. Um, they need you for stuff and it's everything, man. You know, it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I think that that saying is very true and that's definitely been the case for me with, um, with, yeah, the things I've learned. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What's the best event you've been to, not spoken at, but um, actually attended? The best event I've been to, uh, I'd probably say Breakthrough Experience yeah. by John Martini. Okay. Well, is that? I've actually heard that a lot. It seems to be a reoccurring thing. And I'm thinking that I need to go to it because so many people have said it's amazing. Yeah. Um, dude, the thing I would say is his, his model of the world is just incredible, man. Like he uh, basically teaches this idea that everything's in balance. Everything is good and bad, light and dark, hot and cold, up and down stop, go, you know, every single thing, whether it's the Holocaust, whether it's rape, whether it's murder, whether it's incest, all of this stuff is equally good and bad, but most people are living in a one-sided delusional fantasy where they only see their perceptions warped, so they only see a good or a bad, you know what I mean? And so most people are working jobs they don't like thinking, oh, everything will be better when I have money or if I didn't have to come to work, I'd be so much happier or whatever it is. But the actual reality is that, um, yeah, that's just, that's not the case. Um, and I was actually having this chat with my mentor yesterday about how, you know, man, like I'm 27, I've traveled extensively the last three years. I make good money. Um, I got all these things got like without bragging, you know, I live a life. A lot of people would want to live like in the quote unquote, why, by what society determines as success, you know, I make over six figures a year. I literally work whenever I want, from wherever I want. I'm really not restrained by any resources. Am I a millionaire? No. 
but I've got significant cash savings. If I didn't work for the next two or three years, it really wouldn't influence. It wouldn't change anything other than the fact that I have no money when I got to the end of that time. And so, I have a lot of these things that everyone says they want, and I'm, I'm very blessed and fortunate and grateful for that. But I was talking to like my mentor yesterday, who's also a good friend of mine, about how I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm so fucking bored, man. I'm like, I'm getting up. I don't have a partner. I don't have any family in Melbourne. I've got some friends here, but a lot of my friends are now overseas because they're traveling. And I was saying to him, I'm like, dude, I'm like, you know, there's been there's been days and weeks where I've been depressed as fuck. I've eaten poorly, just like out of boredom, and you know what I mean. And like, um, yeah, it's just recognizing that there's there's good and bad to everything. Like everyone thinks, fuck, if I, if I had money and I could travel and I didn't have to get up, everything would be better. And don't get me wrong, I've done that and I've been broke, and it is way better. But there's also a side, it's way more stressful having clients in different time zones. You're, you never know where the money's coming from. You've got to save taxes. And then if I got, in, I got in this massive amount of tax debt at one point from some bad financial decisions, like there's just anything that you think will make your life better, it, it probably will if it's important to you, but there's an equal amount of pain and negative and downside to it. And that's essentially what John teaches. I went to that event six years ago. I'm actually thinking about going again next month. But it just changed. I went in 2013 and it just drastically changed. I've never seen the world the same ever since. Ever since I went to that event, I've never been into religion, even though I went to a Catholic school. Um, it just changed a lot of things for me. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And at, at the start of that, you actually said something that is really important, um, particularly to me, how you said at what people might see as success. And it's probably just just a couple of months ago so like not too long ago i was personally feeling unhappy and i realized this because i was measuring i was trying to quantify what success might have been and then i realized i was using someone else's measure for what success might have been and then i decided that i would define what it actually is for me and what i if if suddenly god sake something happened and I cease to live my life tomorrow if I had seen my life as successful. So I changed. I, I just changed what I thought success was and at how yeah. I can fulfill, live to that daily um, because success isn't necessarily – like it, it's cliche as fuck, but cl- success isn't the destination. It's the journey. And if I want to live a quote-unquote successful life, I need to work out what that is for me. Um, what – what is that definition for you since by the seams of it, it's not the classic get white picket fence, lots of money kind of thing. It seems to be something different. And from what I can tell, it's based on ex- personal experience and all things like that. So just cut out at the end there, mate. You said, what's that definition for me? Hello. You there? Yo. Yeah. Yo. I think we just cut out as I asked the question there, Dan. No, you um, said to me, what is that definition for me and then something else? Ah, uh, yeah. What, what's that definition for you? I just gave an example of what it doesn't seem to be. And it doesn't seem to be it's the white picket fence, um, traditional kind of model. Make, yep, yep. Just make money. Man, it's a good question because I've what, kind what, of only realized this in the last couple of days. I went through a pretty depressive phase lately because, like I said, I was getting up. I was watching fucking half a season of Suits on like a Tuesday and all my friends are at work and I was like, fuck, I got money in the bank but nothing else. And there's a good saying about that. Some people are so broke that all they have is money. Um, for me, though, I think, man, the thing I've come to realize lately 
is I think what makes you happy is pursuing a worthwhile cause. So I've been in marketing for the last four years and, you know, just focus on making money and traveling and doing cool shit and that's all happened. But I think the thing I was really able to realize was that um, I, I went through a phase recently where I was getting out. I was like, I'm done with marketing. It's not what I'm here for. I was into more personal development stuff, which I still am into. But I think the thing I was able to realize is that there was a time when I loved marketing and I was passionate about marketing and like, why has that changed? And I'm like, oh, it's probably changed a little bit because of the, I'm still working on the same stuff I was working on two or three years ago. And so the thing I've really come to realize lately is happiness to me is pursuing a pursuing something that excites you internally. It might be working on a certain type of project. It might be achieving a certain goal, but it's exactly what you said. It's in the journey. And Here's another thing, though, that I want to touch on because you see a lot of celebrities talk about like, oh, money won't make you happy. And people that don't have money are looking at them going like, oh, it's easy for you to say when you have a mansion in the Hollywood Hills and you can get a table at like every Vegas nightclub every weekend and party with all these like rock stars because that shit is fun. And there's no doubt that that does provide a certain level of happiness and fulfillment in your life. I think the distinction, though, is that well, the point I want to make is like, whilst I'm sitting here saying it's, it's all internal, it's pursuing something worthwhile, I think it's pursuing something worthwhile once you've earned enough money to do the flashy shit that you do want to do. So I'm at a point now where like, man, I could be fucking like living anywhere but that's not in Melbourne right now. Like I could, I lived in Columbia for a bit last year, which is obviously cheaper than Melbourne, but I could be fucking anywhere. But when I was in Columbia, I realized like, you know what? I'm doing all this travel because I get bored in Melbourne. I'm almost doing it to escape my life. I'm doing it to feel something. And so when I realized that, I thought, fuck, I need to go back to Melbourne and figure out what that is, which is what I feel like I've clued onto lately. And and I suppose the point that I want to make is that I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, anyone who has money saying money won't make them happy, or it's easy for them to say because they've got it, right? That's one school of thought I agree with. And then the other thing is me here saying, oh, you should pursue something that internally makes you passionate or excited about working on it. I think it's two-pronged. you got to get the money. you got to travel or drive a Ferrari or do the shit you say you want to do because you've got to do it to realize it won't make you happy because once you realize it won't make you happy, then you can go and find the shit that will make you happy. And I think that's the point I'm at right now. Yeah, for sure. And like you don't – at the end of the day, like for me, one of the uh, – things that defined my level of success was that I didn't want to – if I wanted to do something, I wanted to be able to do it. I didn't want to be limited exactly. by time, by money, by energy. So by that token, if you extrapolate out the life that I want to build, it will fit all three. I can do what I want if I want to do it, when I want to do it, I have enough money to do it and my body's capable enough to do it. And – Yes. I, I, I think money doesn't make you happy, but having no money definitely doesn't yeah. make you it, happy. And you know? I personally like society and doing things that society has built. And considering that our society has been built on money, we no longer trade chickens at the end of the day. Money is an enabler to do things. Like if I want to go out to a restaurant, they're not going to accept potatoes as payment. They're going to accept cash. It's there's no thing saying money when yeah. it's the it's truth. It's comes back to the speak the hard realities, and the hard reality is that 
money lets you do stuff. If you don't have any money, you can't do anything. Yeah. And like it's not Yeah. Yeah. It might be hard for someone to swallow that to go, oh, money's hard. And the other the other thing that I find is that what people traditionally think of a lot of money is fuck all. And that's pretty scary when people go like, oh, yeah. I I own 150 grand a year and people see that as a lot of money. And you go, well, what can you do with that? You pay for your house, you pay for your car, and then suddenly how many? How often do you travel? How, how often do you do the shit that you love? How many days off work do you get a year? Do you have to ask someone else to yeah. go take a day off work? I was only reading the thing. Yeah, I was only reading the thing recently about like uh, some guy posted on Facebook. It's like, Everyone wants to make six figures a year until they make it and realize how broke they really are. It's it's so it's so true, you know. Like it's not until you make six figures, you're like shit. This is actually yeah. nothing. Like, like don't get me. I don't know. It's it's a dangerous thing because because you realize that and then see. I think I'm at a point now where like I want to make a shitload of money, but I want to make the money almost as like yeah, of course I want to do cool shit with it. But it's like the sense of achievement. I was saying to someone the other day, I was like, my goal. Um, or growing up, and I'm sure you're Australian, you'll relate to this. Growing up when you're at school, making six figures was like the holy grail. Yeah. It was like, fuck. You know, if you could make six figures, um, that was like you, you'd yeah. made it, quote, unquote. And it's not until you actually make it that you then realize uh, – oh, sorry. The growing up, the goal was to make six figures. And so I was saying to my brother or a friend recently, I'm like, man, my new goal is I want to make six figures in a month. Like, because you make the six figures and you're like, fuck, that was easy. But if I did it in a month, that would be crazy. So that's kind of like, but again, I don't really care. It's one of those things. Like I say, I don't care about the money. Well, I obviously do. I'm not just going to piss it up the wall. Yeah. I'm not really doing it for the money. I'm kind of doing it for the sense of achievement. Yeah, well, though, you know what I mean? Here's the thing. Like, because everyone else, like something else that I really, like really pushes me to achieve financially is that it's something that everyone else sees as a goal and I've just got this competitive nature in me that I want to just be better than other people. I just want to smash my yeah. goals. But I also, like if someone throws a ball 10 meters, I want to throw it 11 kind of thing. So it's like, you know what? If everyone yeah, else yeah, is yeah. happy out there on 150K at the peak of their life, I have the same mentality as you said. It'd be fun to make that in a week. Like not not because I want to go out and live an ex- super extravagant yeah. lifestyle, and I wouldn't even tell anyone. It's just more so that personal achievement of going. I've taken what everyone defines as a good amount in a year and compressed it down to a week. I wouldn't think of myself differently, but it's just yeah. those little things that go that that'd be cool. And like, it's just that, yeah. those little motivators that. Get, get me going and make me excited. And at the end of the day, yeah, whatever gets people going, who cares? Like, if one thing makes you happy, just do that thing that makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. And was, Absolutely, man. I completely agree book you. that I read. I forgot what it's called now, but it speaks about like how, you know how some people do have like really weird rituals that from the outside – you go. You look at them. You go. What the fuck are they doing? And it really confuses you. And then this book kind of incentivizes you to look at your own life. You go. Well, are you where you want to be? And have you always lived your life going like that? Shit's weird. I'm not going to do it. And the book is basically like, if if the weird shit gets you to like, say for example, like randomly yelling out something. I can't think of a better example right now. 
But if that is something that might help you get to your goals, isn't it worth doing anyway? And who cares if someone else thinks that you're a weirdo? There's, there's, I did a horrible, horrible, uh, horrible example and horrible explanation there. So just gonna, gonna go on past it. Yeah, no, no, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. We'll jump to marketing. We spoke a bit about personal. What, what do you see as a big mistake in marketing? Before we spoke about how brands being hyper conservative is actually like hyper conservative yeah. to play it safe is actually super risky because no one's actually going to really listen to you yep. if you're boring. Um, what's what's something that you yep. see that companies and brands are doing that's they might think is playing it safe or being doing the responsible thing, but is actually really unsafe and very bad for their longevity. Yeah. Well, I was actually saying to someone, I know when I normally speak, I I say this thing, I'm like, who has had a marketing campaign fail and everyone puts their hands up and I'm like, cool. I'll tell you exactly why. There's a handful of reasons why marketing campaigns fail, but I'll tell you the main one. Who wants to know? Everyone's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, it's because you're all a bunch of pussies. So I talk about getting a reaction out of people. Everyone's kind of confused. I'm like, the reason most marketing campaigns fail is because companies, brands, marketers, whatever, they don't draw – it's like the whole PC thing. It's like they won't draw a hard enough line in the sand. You talked about it with CrimSafe. Oh, I should maybe not say them hit live on here. You might have to bleep that out. But like, you know, big brand and they want to run conservative marketing because they got a couple of complaints. Dan Kennedy had this famous saying that was like, you should write your marketing and your ads for your ideal client and fuck everyone else. And that's obviously a pretty extreme thing to say, but it's true. You know, I think the biggest reason marketing campaigns fail is because people are too soft. They're too like, they want to be liked. They don't just want their shit to work. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, that's that. Um, Man, am I cutting out a fair bit for you? I didn't hear any of that, man. I'm just looking at the yeah. waves here on the line. I, cool. I was talking we'll, about, um, yeah. Jump over to Zoom. We'll keep keep this open because we'll keep recording. Oh, it's it's ah, cool, it's fine, cool. man. We'll just keep going through um, this. Yeah, I completely agree with that. With um, people just yeah, it's completely f- freaking stupid. In your opinion, who, what brand, one that you don't represent, is doing the best job at? Um, taking that and going, oh, we're going to write ads for our consumers in whatever that looks like and not give a fuck about all the people that won't buy our product. Because oh. at the end of the day, if they don't buy your product, who cares if you upset them? Yeah. Who's an example? Oh, look, I, I don't think this is a really great example, but I think Gillette took a stand for what they believed. I think the message was atrocious, but I'm sure. Look, I think... Great marketing is polarizing, right? Like what Gillette did, what Nike did with um, what Nike did with Colin Kaepernick. Do you know who that is? The American yeah, football yeah, quarterback. Yeah, that was an awesome campaign. I loved it. And like what Gillette did, as much as I hated that campaign, it's hard to argue that they failed because they got everyone talking about it, right? And there's no such thing as bad publicity, and. You know, like I used to create a lot of controversial content and my parents would get up me and I'm like, well, well, everyone has an opinion about me, about whether they like what I'm doing or they don't. The only thing that remains here as the only thing that's certain is that all of you are talking about me. 
You know what I mean? Same kind of thing. It's like whether you like Colin Kaepernick or not, whether you like what Nike did or not, as long as you're talking about them, that's just free advertising. And that's essentially what I, I think great marketing occupies your mind. See, because when you, when you do something polarizing, and Trump's a good example, the people that hate you will almost spread your message more than the people that like you. You just need to believe in that message enough. Yeah. Yeah. That That is very true. And there are a couple of key things that you said that I'm probably my favorite was how you said that um, marketing spikes emotion or something along those lines and it resonates with you. And yep. that, that is something that Nike did really well. And a lot of people might have hated on it, but at the end of the day, um, in that time period, Nike was one of the most bought stocks amongst millennials or young people, which at the end of the day, are the people that are buying the shoes. So even if a couple of people got upset, the people that are buying the shoes didn't stop buying shoes, which is what's critical. Yeah, 100%. And it's something that people forget. I mean, we've yep. kind of passed it over a couple of times, but if anyone's doing it, just do shit that, it, that your audience actually enjoys. So, Yeah, the, 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 thing, the thing I think is important though with that is just that you got to do what's authentic for you. Like a lot of people see my shit and they're like, oh, gotcha, I'm going to go swear heaps on camera. And I'm like... No, that's not what I'm saying. The way I promote myself is authentic to me. You might not be a swearer, but what I'm saying is you believe something that you're afraid to tell people publicly because you're worried about the backlash. That's the shit you need oh, to talk about. For sure. And at the end of the day, if people people dis, people won't like you if they don't know about you because they don't get to make their mind up on you. And people also Sorry. won't like you if – you're not genuine. Like if you're out there and everyone can see that you're fake, people won't like you anyway. So you gotta, you just gotta be like you. You're not gonna expect like I don't know some super conservative chicken brand to go out there and do an ad like Nike because that's completely out of character. You have got to do what's in character and what yeah. or what is in you as a company or as a person, and it's very important. Yeah, um, absolutely. Something I was curious about is how did you get into speaking and how did you work out that that was something that you enjoyed? Man, that's a good question. So I've always been really growth-driven, really personal development focused, and I've always done shit that scared me. I hated make public speaking at school. I hated making speeches. I'm trying to think when the first talk I made that was really impactful. I think it was my brother's 21st. But I just like through that whole period of 21st birthdays, I, w- I would give a speech at every mate's birthday. I just kind of thrived on the limelight. That's really the only thing I've ever done where speaking about that whole balance, that whole good and bad. It's the only thing, I feel like it's the only thing I've ever done in my life where I've pursued the pleasure um, irrespective of the pain, you know, the pain of like speaking and being nervous and all that shit and potentially fucking it up that we all feel. It's the only thing I've ever done where I'm just willing to embrace that pain pretty interesting so yeah man i i uh no i just just i don't know it's almost like a talent and i just found out along the way it's something i wanted to keep doing and, and i love it man it's probably the thing i'd spend all my time doing yeah. if i could and it's funny i'm noticing a really like massive recurring pattern with you like i hated doing this in school but now you love doing it it's like with uh, writing you said you hated writing but now you ended up writing you loved math but now you're you're not yeah. even doing something yeah, 100%. that's engineering related you hated speaking but now you love you love speaking yeah do you feel like that there's a pattern along here that school is failing to do something 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> it's interesting because, um, yeah, that's another deep topic. Um, went on a date with like a school teacher recently and I asked her what she thought of the education system and she said, I think it's great. If the purpose is to get people into higher education, mm. I think it's fine. And I was like, yeah, and that's the problem. That's a giant assumption we're making that that's the purpose. Here's my beef with school because, like, I don't think everyone needs to fucking learn algebra and all that shit. I think there should be way more personal development, NLP kind of concepts brought into it. But I think uh, I think the thing that I think more so, the problem I have with it is that it doesn't teach you who you are. See, I went from school straight to university for three years, and it wasn't until I actually went to work you know, all these school teachers have told me about how good engineering was and how promising all the job prospects were and how much money I'd make. And they were all things I'd been told that I had to care about. It wasn't until I actually went and got into the workforce that I realized, fuck, this is what engineers do. This is what that thing that I've been told about for the last eight years actually is like. Um, so it wasn't until then that I was like, fuck, you know what? I don't like being in a warehouse. I don't like fucking working in manufacturing. I don't actually give a fuck about AutoCAD or some engineering bullshit. I'm a people person. I like talking to people. I like communication. And maybe that was just part of the journey of life. You know, I sometimes think like, what would I tell my kids? Or if someone had kids that was entering that phase in their life, what would I say? And I would say this, at the end of the day, if you think the thing you're going to go and study at university is what you think in your heart of hearts, that's what you want to do at 18 years old, then sure, go and do it. But generally speaking, taking it from someone who didn't take a gap year, I would say take a gap year, but don't just go do the fucking Kentucky bullshit in Europe and tra- like save money and travel. What is it that you think you want to do when you leave school? Go and do that. If you tell me you want to be an engineer, awesome. Go and fucking work in an engineering firm for, for a year. And then tell me if you really like that. And if you did or you didn't, tell me what you learned from it. Because that's what I think I'd instill in my kids. Like, I don't care what you do, but I care that you know why you're doing it. Or I care that you understand yourself enough to recognize why you value it. And I think if I ever have kids, I'll push them into personal development at a very young age so they can figure those things out for themselves. But that would be the point that I think is really important. Um, yeah, that makes, that makes heaps sense. of sense. And it was actually something that um, Phil DeBella, one of my previous guests, did with his kids. He Two things that he did, or one of the things that he did with his kids was he treated them like adults. He didn't treat them like kids. And he um, set out goals yeah. with them. So it's like, what, what do you want to do with your life, basically? And made them do dream boards and made them inc- improved, basically, their emotional intelligence and their self-realization at what they want to do. And what you said was actually quite quite important. If anyone doesn't know what they want to do, go back like two minutes and listen to that because that was, yeah, that, that's super important at knowing what you want to do. And yeah. I kind of had the same thing. I just It's not only yourself though. It's, it's, it's self-awareness. That's the thing I think I want to get across. It doesn't matter to me what you do. It just matters to me that you know what you want to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it, it, it is pretty hard trying to think, be self-aware. But one thing I want to point out is that you better hope that no um, pro, uh, anyone that you meet on Tinder listens to this because by the sounds of it, you're going on a lot of dates with a lot of different people. Just just pointing pointing that out. School teachers, doctors. Uh, yeah, I have been a little bit, man. Like I think most entrepreneurial marketing people get into game. You know, I've studied a lot of da- – I actually study a lot of dating yeah, content because I, um, I think it's a very interesting a, reflective. Sorry. 
Um, I just think it's an interesting part of psychology and all that sort of thing. So, man, I don't fucking care if any chick listens to it. I'd tell them. Like, I'm not – I think the mistake – that's another thing, I'm, an area of life I'm really passionate about. And when I said I was going to get out of marketing, I was getting into not game but more like – masculinity and like development for men because you know i think we grow up in a society that teaches us that like women are like these pristine creatures that do nothing wrong that their shit doesn't stink and you know men rape and fucking pillage and murder and it's like not fucking true at all women are fucked up as they get and and men are good like again it's the whole balance thing and i actually feel sorry for women i think society puts a lot of pressure on them but you know we're kind of brought up like oh don't tell the women that you're dating other women it's like no be fucking honest have some integrity and be truthful. I don't think you have to offer the information up, but if you get asked, certainly don't lie about it. Anyway, that's another <laughs> rant. <laughs> what were you going to say? You had a company. Oh, no, I had a friend that he um, he was in marketing and decided to take the, his Tinder game to another level. So he made three or four different profiles and A-B tested different things to try and see what would get the um, the best clicks and the best like responses. And it was just... It was just hilarious. And he was just going like, I wonder I wonder if this kind of picture works better than this picture or this line works better than this line. I just thought it was hilarious, A-B testing um, Tinder profiles and something only a marketing person would do. Yeah, I've done, I've done some testing, but not a ton. Not, not to the extent of creating multiple profiles and uh, good testing. Nah. Uh, just, no, yeah, I haven't gone to that Some things that some people do. So we kind of already spoke about what you'd instill in your kids. When, uh, when and if you ever end up having kids, it's always, always a very, um, it always seems to be a choice that people change depending on what stage in their life they are. So to finish it off, yeah, I'm gonna ask you a slightly different question because usually it's what would you tell your kids? What would your number one personal branding in the sense of, um, if you're to take the sense of reputation, not just what people might see on your phone, so. Slight rant, something that I absolutely hate is this culture of everyone's an entrepreneur and they have nothing to back it up and it's all a fake facade built on Instagram and it's all e-com. It it drives me crazy because there's so much, um, there's not enough genuine people out there. So what would, if someone was to take something away from your branding knowledge, what would it be to remain how would they remain genuine and make sure that people that when someone sees them online, they're the exact same person offline? Yeah. I don't know if I'm the right person to ask, man. Cause I've had a lot of people that know me say to me like, Oh, you're like, you're really different online. And then I've had people ring me up and like, Oh, I actually thought you'd be an arrogant wanker, but you're a nice person. So I, I think I have a little bit of an online persona, but that's that's different to what you're talking about. I'm not pretending I'm more successful than I am. It's like my, I'm more aggressive online because that's just how I choose to portray myself. Um, whereas in person, you know, I show that other side of myself. But I think, like, I don't want to give some generic advice, like be yourself, be authentic, which is what I actually think. What I think is like to to sort of give people something useful is. I used to have this saying that when it comes to like creating content and trying to find your unique voice and be you, if you hold strong, strong opinions that you would like tell your best friend in your bedroom when it's just you two, like, Oh, I fucking hate black people or whatever it is. Right. Like that sounds crazy. And it's probably a bad example, but like say that's what you fucking believe for whatever yep. reason. Actually, that's a terrible yeah, I was example thinking what I'm going to say. But the point, of, the, the point I'm trying to make is like, if you love Trump, right. Or if you think that, 
there's only two genders or if you think that whatever the fuck you think, I don't care how non-politically correct it is, that's the shit you should create content about. Then obviously it has to be relevant to your niche, but like if you think there's someone in your space doing something that's bullshit, maybe don't directly call them out, but call out what they're doing. Say, hey, guys, tell something that's bullshit. Marketers that are posting crap on Instagram being entrepreneurs when they don't even have a fucking business. That's bullshit. Like it's those authentic beliefs you hold that you don't tell that are holding you back from really like resonating with the people that are meant to hear your message. And as I said before, you don't need to swear, you don't need to be aggressive, but it's like the things you'd say to your best mate. I used to say to people, I'm like, if you won't say to my face, if you won't say to people publicly on Facebook, what you'd say to your best friend in a room, you're a coward because you're promoting a fake sense of self. If that anything, awesome. I should keep someone like you. I especially myself, love it that like, you use the word coward. It is such a powerful word. Well, it <laughs> um, is. It's, it's coward. Anyway, mate, right? I really appreciate you joining me on here. Cool. Did you enjoy that? Like, far out. I did. It was awesome to both listen and to ask questions and to get, just pick James's brain on some things. And the, the amount, I said I was going to wrap it up at the start of the podcast. I was like, oh, I'll wrap it up at the end. I don't, I don't think I'll be able to do that. But here's the one key takeaway that I want to stress out of that. Somewhere in the middle there, we spoke about making everything 100% your, your responsibility. And speaking from personal um from personal experience, that is one of the things that has made my life significantly better. Not in the sense I've achieved, I've just been happier. Since I've started going, screw that, it's all on me. I have been happier. So if you take one thing away, it's that. Now, and to actually wrap it up, I really appreciate you listening to this. And if you enjoyed it, I really, really do generally appreciate if you just give it a little share Tell your friends about it because that's the only way that it's going to get out there. And if you've seen me talk about why I do this podcast, then here it is summed up in like 30 seconds. I genuinely enjoy talking to some amazing guests like James, like Phil, like all of the other guests that I've had. And it's what I am generally, generally enjoy. And I would have these conversations even if it wasn't on a podcast just solely because I enjoy it. And I want to bring as much, I hate saying this, I want to bring as much value to whoever's listening. So your feedback means a lot to me and you sharing it and letting other people know, hey, this is a good podcast also means a lot to me. And yeah, I think that was 30 seconds. How'd I go? Anyway, guys, I'll see you or you'll hear me next time. Have a good one.